to brothers of the word because brother, you need the word. And someone came to me not too long ago and said, they said, Mr. Bronner, you spoke to me some million dollar words. And today I am going to tell you and I am going to explain to you what those million dollar words were. And I hope as you hear the million dollar words, that it will impact and it will change your lives just as it did their life. And I'll speak to you today from that subject of million dollar words. Now first, I need to give you the background and the history of how the million dollar words came about. It actually came about in a business setting. And for those of you who know or don't know, I'm a businessman. That's how I feed my family and support myself. I'm not financially supported from ministry. I am financially supported from business. So I'm a business owner and I, I work in a business. And each year, the company that I own, we take a trip. The company is at thewoman.com. For those of you who are wondering what kind of businesses I'm in, it's, it's at thewoman.com. And each year, we take a trip. And two years ago, we went to Callaway Gardens, and we all got in our cars, some two, three, four to a car, and we drove to Callaway Gardens. For those of you listening to this message and you're not located in Atlanta or Georgia, you don't know what or where Callaway Gardens is, it is a resort about 90 miles outside of the city limits of Atlanta. So it took us about an hour and a half to drive to Callaway Gardens. And there we went and there we had a great time on bicycles and swimming in the lake and just enjoying the scenery and the festivities that they had at Callaway Gardens. Well, the next year, I chartered a bus because I didn't even want anyone to drive. I just wanted everyone to relax during the day. I chartered a bus, and we went to Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is about 120 miles away from Atlanta. It's about a two-hour drive, and there the bus had television, and they were able to watch movies and just... Enjoy the ride as we went to Chattanooga and went to Lookout Mountain and up on the incline rails and and went on one of the aquatic uh, rides down the river and had dinner on the river. So we had an awesome time there in Chattanooga. And for this year, I had said, again, we shall go on a trip. And there's a young lady that works in the company named Shelly. And I told Shelly, I want you to determine where we're going to go this year. And she searched and she searched and she searched and looked and looked and looked and she came back to me and she said, Mr. Bronner, to be honest about it, I really can't find anywhere for us to really go. I said, we, we needed to go somewhere where we can get to and back in a reasonable period of time. So we had to have a place that was no more than a three hours drive radius around Atlanta. Because if we left early in the morning and came back that evening, 
We didn't want to spend all day on the road, so we had to find somewhere that was limited to where we could get there within three hours, and that would spend spend a total of six hours during the day just of traveling. And she said, I checked everywhere, and there's nowhere that really I can find that's really suitable. See, we could go to Six Flags, but we don't really want to go there. We could go to Stone Mountain, but it's not just a whole lot to do there. And, and we could go to Savannah is the best place that I could find, but that's five hours away. And we, we would spend ten hours out of the 14-hour day on the bus. So a couple of weeks went by and still she could come up with nothing. Nowhere to go for our annual company trip. Have you ever been trying to go somewhere but it just looked like you just couldn't find where to go? And I'm not just talking about on a vacation type trip. I'm just talking about in life in general. You know, you felt like you need to go somewhere, but you just, you can't figure out where, in the, you, you, kinda, you, know, you, you just don't know what to do. You don't know where to go and how to get. Have you ever been in that kind of situation and you just did not know where to go? And sometimes we get that way in life in a lot of different areas with jobs. And, and sometimes we're that way in personal life with relationship. We, we've got all these different potential relationships, but somehow we just feel none of them quite right. You understand what I'm saying? Have you ever been in a situation where you, got, but, but you just kind of know deep down in your gut none of them are quite right? Have you ever been in that situation? you got option A, option B, option C, option D, but just none of them quite right. That's the way that we were trying to figure out the company trip. None of it seemed to be quite right. And sometimes, people, when things don't seem to be quite right, and when you can't find what you really want where you are and within your grasp, sometimes it requires what is called a quantum leap of imagination. Sometimes you have got to think outside of the box, and sometimes you have to take a jump beyond anything, not only of what you have ever done, but beyond anything of what you have ever imagined. And I said to her, if there's nowhere that we can get to within three hours on a bus, I said, we've got to change our mentality, and we've got to change our thinking pattern and we have to change our limitations. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you've got to change your limitations. I said, if there is nowhere where we can drive to on a bus or in a car within a three-hour range, I said, start checking on places that we can fly to. And she looked at me and she said, fly? I said, yeah, fly. I said, we can't get there on the ground. Check on places where we can fly to. And as she brought me back some options of where we could fly to, I said, where we need to go. Because there are some places where I envision the company going very, very soon. And I said, where we need to go. We need to go to the most powerful city 
on the face of the earth. I said, we're going to Washington, D.C. And whether or not you like the government or not, I'm not going to sit here and debate with you on that. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't have any problems with the government. So, what? no, I don't have any problems with the government. Number one, the United States of America is the most prosperous and the most powerful country on the face of the earth. And my daddy used to always have one statement. And he said this. He said, you can't argue with success and you can't explain failure. <laughs> now, it, it was a basic principle that he said, you cannot argue with success and you can't explain failure. One thing about this country, this country is successful. As a nation, this country is successful. And if you've ever traveled abroad, you understand that. The United States is, even though some folk don't like us, but do you know people, when you're successful, there'll be some people that don't like you? The United States is not perfect. Far be it. We've got plenty of problems. We've got plenty of issues. We've got plenty of corruption. We've got plenty of crookedness. But let me tell you something that even stems from even biblical history. The government, even in the Bible, was straighter than the church was. Do you know when Jesus came, it was not the government who had a problem with him. The government, Pontius Pilate said, I find no fault in him. It was not the government, it was the church who condemned Jesus. So even from way back, and even right now, people, the most segregated hour in America is 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. For integration to be effective in this country, it took the government to do it. If you're a widow with children or a single parent with children, you cannot depend on the church to help you. You have to go to the government. Church won't do it. It'll help you for a little while, but it's not going to keep on. The, The church won't do it. So I don't have any problems with the government because when you really boil it down, the government has been better for the people than even the church has. I mean, we pray over folk to get healed, but if you need some medical care and something to pay for your medical bills, you got to get you some Medicare and some Medicaid. <laughs> that, that's just all, I, I'm just telling you straight like it is. You have to get you some, and that comes from the government. So the government, even with all of its flaws, is still, if you get in a real jam, the government is more likely to get you out of it than the church is, especially on a long-term, continual basis. The government, you get disabled, the church will pay your bill for a little while, but not forever. The government still, for the people, has been better overall. And has followed the dictates of Christ, oftentimes more than the church itself. If you look at your money... You'll find in God we trust on every piece of money that you have. Even the government proclaims God better than... Is none of us got any God clothes on? None of us got God on our car tags? None of us got God most of the time walking into the house? We don't, The government, even on his money, has got God everywhere. So we have been in the government better in so many areas than we have even in the church. So I, I told my... First, I said, look, we're going to the most powerful city on the face of the earth. We're going to Washington, D.C. Because I want, if the company is going to a certain point, I want us to walk into something that was laid out. And if you've ever been to Washington, Washington was laid out for success. 
The city is not haphazardly built. It was laid out. It was designed from ground up for this country to become the most powerful country in the world. I said, I want you to walk in soil that was laid out, that was designed from the beginning to excel and to go to the top. I said, and to do that, we've got to travel by mode of transportation different than what we've ever traveled before. We have got to fly. And for some of you to get to some destinations that you dreamed of going, you're going to have to change your mode of transportation. And then my assistant came to me after she'd heard of the plans that I had made of where we were going to take the company. And she said, Mr. Bronner, she said, you realize that there are some people in this company and they are afraid to fly. And they're not going because they're scared. And they will not fly. And I told her, I said, look, don't even tell me who it is because I don't even want to know. And I said, I'm going to address that at our next staff meeting. And at our next staff meeting, I spoke to the group and I explained to them where we were going and why we were going there. And I said, I have heard that there are some among you. Turn to your neighbor again and simply say, some among you. There are some among you who are afraid to fly. And I talked to them. And I told them, and it was in that conversation that I spoke what she called the million dollar words. And as I got off the shuttle at the Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, and as we were walking towards the terminal, Tamala Fuller, she turned to me and she said, Mr. Bronner, you spoke some million dollar words. And I said, what words were those? She said, I had told people that I would not get on an airplane for a million dollars. <laughs> and here I am, walking down the terminal, to the gate to get on a plane. She said, you spoke some million dollar words because I had said it and I meant it in my heart that I would never get on an airplane and you couldn't pay me a million dollars to get on that plane. And here I am walking down the terminal. Y'all want to know what those words were? I'm getting to it. So y'all say, y'all say he's getting to it. Let me tell you what else she told me. She said, Mr. Bronner, she said, even when I got married, I would not get on the plane to go on my honeymoon. We had to ride the bus. So there I was on my honeymoon sitting up on the bus because I was afraid to fly. And how many of us headed to a honeymoon, headed to a destination, not going in the style in which God has deemed and ordained for us to go because fear has kept us out of some places, kept us out of some things because we are afraid to fly. And see, when you understand truth, you'll understand that flying is by far safer than driving. If I 
ask you the question right now, how many of you knew someone personally ever injured or killed in an airplane crash? It's unlikely that a single hand will go up. But if I ask you, how many of you knew or know someone who has been injured or killed in an automobile accident, virtually every hand in this audience will go up. Everyone listening to me by television is going to raise their hand. Everyone listening to an electronic or internet is going to raise their hand. Everyone knows someone who has been injured or killed in an automobile accident, but hardly anyone directly knows someone personally who has been injured or killed in an airplane crash because they are so rare. And statistically, you are 24 times safer in an airplane than you are in a car. But no one is afraid to ride in a car. As a matter of fact, they had to pass a law to make people even buckle their seatbelts. But so many people are afraid to fly because they don't understand truth. And we have been deceived by a lie in so many areas of our lives. Afraid to fly. And there are some things and places where God wants to take you that you can only get there by flying. And it's safer. But you are scared. And sometimes you're scared because, yeah, you know, my mama was scared to fly. And my mama used to hold, and woo, woo, and my dad is scared to fly. And, and generally when I have found people who have been afraid to fly, their parents were afraid to fly. And because their parents were, and that's why when I told you in the pre-talk, I had to go and buy my son a pet because my wife was afraid of animals. But I told her, I said, look, baby, we cannot rear any children scared because that ain't like their daddy. So I'm not going to rear any scared children. I will have them scared, but I will have them afraid of the things that they should be afraid of. See, most of us, our fears are misplaced. And we'll be afraid to fly standing there smoking a cigarette. Our, our fears are misplaced. And they're all twisted up. So if you're going to be scared of something, be scared of something. That's why Jesus said, don't be afraid of him who can just kill the body. Be afraid of him who can take body and soul. You've got to understand even what to be afraid of. So what did I tell them in the meeting? What did I speak? What were the million dollar words? This is what I told them. I said, first of all, this company is going to Washington, D.C. We are going to the most powerful city on the face of the earth. And I'm going with or without you. That's the first thing I told. I said, I'm going. I'm going with or without you. This company is going to a certain place and we are going regardless. Now, I'm going to invite everyone to come. But I'm going with or without you. This is the second thing that I told them. I said I have faith and I have confidence in everyone in this room. I said if I didn't have faith and confidence in you, I would have gotten you out of the company. I said, by the very virtue, the fact that you are here in this company, I have faith and I have confidence in you. Third thing I told them is this, because I have faith and because I have confidence in you, I am willing to invest in you. Fourth thing I told them is this, I am buying everyone in this room a plane ticket to Washington, whether you go or not. 
fifth thing I told them is this. If you don't go, you will have to take the ticket, tear it up, and put it in the trash can. It's non-transferable. It's non-refundable. I am going to buy you a ticket to Washington, D.C. on the plane, and the choice will be yours. I'm going to invest in you. What you do with the investment, that choice is yours. I don't know who in this room is afraid to fly, but I have confidence in you, and I'm going to put my money on the line. I'm going to invest in you. If you don't go, I'm not going to hold it against you, but you will have to take that ticket. You will have to tear it up, and you will have to put it in the trash can. It's non-refundable. It's non-transferable, and you got to use it right now on this trip. And anyone who doesn't want to go can stay here and work. <laughs> but everyone else is going to Washington. Now the choice is yours. And that was what I told them. And as I spoke those words, I understood how God felt. Because this is what God told you. He said, I've got faith and confidence in you. I'm going to invest in you. And I am going to sacrifice my own. I am going to send my son to pay the price for your ticket into eternal life. Now, the price is paid. If you want to, you can take the ticket and you can tear it up and you can put it in the trash can. But the price is paid and I'm going to pay the price for your ticket into eternal life and it's going to be up to you whether you use it or not. It's paid. And people... If you understand and see people, those are not really million dollar words. They're billion. They are trillion. They're multiple trillion dollar words. Those are words that are worth more than any price that can be paid on earth. Jesus is already coming. He's already bought the ticket. He's already paid the price. All we have to do is say we want to go and use the ticket. It's already paid for. And if we understand this and what it can do and where it can take us on earth as it is in heaven, we've got so many tickets that are already paid for us that we just won't use. Salvation is the greatest prize, but there's still so much here that's already paid for. Some of you can get free education on your jobs. It's already paid for. The employer has already, but you won't go. You won't use the ticket. There are so many things that the price has been paid. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, I'm going to read the New Living Translation. It says, And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites when he judges. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners here on earth. For you know that God has paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he's paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious life blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb. 
of God. He, he came to set the captives free. Your ticket has been paid for. He came to bring you life. And to bring you life more abundantly. Your ticket has been paid for. He came to heal the sick. Your ticket has been paid for. But we have to cash it in. And we have to show up at the airport. We have to use it. They are trillion dollar words. And I hope that you understand this for those and you've been afraid to go and been afraid to do. And there have been things that have been paid. If you are a minority, do you know how many people bled and died just for the right to vote? And do you know most of African-American descent will not vote even though the price has been paid in blood? And so often, price has been paid and we refuse to use ticket. And next year, the company is going to New York. We're going to the most financially powerful city on the face of the earth. See, people, once a mind has been expanded, it'll never shrink back down to its original size. And she came to me and told me, she said, Mr. Bronner, since I've been on, and do you know when she got on the plane, she was so comfortable on the plane, she fell asleep. <laughs> no fear, but you had to break through and sometimes you have to have someone to pull you through and to speak some words that will shake you into a realization of what you can have and what you can be. There's been so many prices that have already been paid for us if we just use what is available. The ticket has been paid for you. And people, I hope that you don't miss it. I hope you don't lose it. I hope you don't let it go forfeit and void. Because if you don't use a ticket that's meant for you, it will go to waste. The price has been paid for you. Don't waste God's sacrifice. Don't waste what he's given unto you. Use it and make sure when the flight takes off that you are on the plane. I thank those of you who have watched this on television. If you'd like to send this message to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and click send to a friend and you can send this message, million dollar words, to anyone with an email address absolutely free of charge. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. Amen, amen, and amen, amen. I hope you understand the price that has been paid for your salvation and that you were the one that God had faith in. And set a sacrifice for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he did it for you. And when you understand he did it for you, you'll understand the power. And you'll understand the value. And people, that sacrifice, I'll tell you, I am glad that God sent it. Because I believe that this life is just a glimpse of the glory that he has in store for us. 
And I believe that what awaits, but how am I going to get there if I don't have my ticket? It's already prepaid in advance. Don't miss the plane. Amen, amen, amen. How many of you all are ready to fly? I mean, the places. And, and, and you notice that we, we moved the eagle. And as I went back and looked at it, see Elijah was standing here this morning. Even when we stand, it's under the wings of the eagle now. And it is symbolic of flying. Because people, there are places where we have to go that we haven't even seen and touched the surface of. And God wants to take us to some places. We can't get there on the bus. We've got to fly. And we can't be afraid to go. Places where our parents never tread. We've got to fly. So even as that eagle over the world, the fish in its claws symbolizes we'll be fishers of men and women. But we're going to fly. We're going to fly. We're going to fly. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you just for wings. Yes. That we shall be able to soar to heights that we never even imagined or dreamed. And dear Father, help us to understand and to know that there are places and heights that we can reach and just because we've not seen anyone else do it, just because we've not seen anyone else go there, just because it is a manner that is different and it is beyond what we have known in the past, dear Father, let us to know and to realize that that does not limit us. We can go places and do things in thy glory that we never thought even imagined that we'll be able to touch the grass and the grounds not just of the White House on this earth but the grounds of the shining house above. Let us know, dear Father, that the potential that is in us, in you, is more than we can even ask or think. Show us our wings. Show us our path. Show us our flight pattern, dear Father. And let us know that we were meant to soar as eagles. In thy Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.